Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vondro, Chief Learning Officer at Westfield Bank, and your host. How are nonprofit and philanthropic organizations navigating the shifting markets and climates of the last two years? Please join us for this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge. I'm your host, Kevin Vondrell, and today we're going to cover an important topic. We're going to talk about nonprofits and philanthropy and differences between the two. We have two guests with us here today. First, we have Colleen Rice, Executive Director for Leadership Medina County. And next, we have Katie First, Executive Director with Feeding Medina County. Colleen, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and, and your role at Leadership Medina County? Thanks, Kevin. Um, yeah, I've been with Leadership Medina County now for nine years as the Executive Director. And our mission is to educate, connect, and involve leaders in their community. And prior to that, I've served in other nonprofit roles, and I've also worked for the Medina County Health Department. Um, my roles have always been with connecting people in the community and helping them understand the different aspects of Medina County. Oh, good. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And Katie, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and what your role is at Feeding Medina County? Sure. Um, so I am the executive director at Feeding Medina County. I started in January of 2021, and I am... I guess a nonprofit lifer. I have worked in the sector now for 14 years, um, just serving folks all over Northeast Ohio. At Feeding Medina County, we feed nearly 3,000 people each month, and our mission is to educate, engage, and lead our community in creating an environment where no one goes hungry. The first question I have, I guess, is what is the difference between being a nonprofit and, and philanthropy? The nonprofit itself is the organization, and Philanthropy is the act of giving, and in this case that we're talking about giving to a nonprofit organization. Sure. And, and I guess how important they are working together. They really go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, a nonprofit needs philanthropy, whether it's someone giving their time, their talent, their treasure, to essentially function. Sure. Colleen, is there anything you want to add to that? No, she's exactly right. You can't have a nonprofit and not have philanthropy. Mm -hmm. So philanthropy is pivotal to, you know, having a nonprofit be successful in a community. We need people who are ready to share their time and treasure and talents. So Katie, so talk to us a little bit more. What is a nonprofit? And maybe give a, a general description. Sure. So nonprofits are there to serve the community. They're a mission-driven organization. And really, it's important to kind of think about the fact that anyone can turn to a nonprofit for help. And there's no hard and fast criteria, right? So we're not thinking of any particular demographic that may need help. Anyone at any point in their life may come to a nonprofit because they're there really to fill the gaps where the government can't provide services or won't provide services. Nonprofits are there to step up. And so there's organizations all over the United States and abroad that can help with a multitude of things, whether it's medical, whether it's family relations, there's legal nonprofits that can help folks and advise them when they can't afford an attorney. There's organizations for food insecurity. There's organizations to develop that sense of community and love of community. It's really an extremely broad sector. So what are the different types of nonprofits that are out there? So there's, there's the basic nonprofits um, like 
Katie and I work for, um, but then there's also some foundations and other nonprofits that are are working in in other realms. So the foundations, you know, they are, um, you know, giving money into the community. Sometimes they're granting money, like the Medina County Community Fund would be one of our private foundations within the community. But we also have some operating foundations within the community, too, that they um, their potential is to give and donate money uh, to the projects that they're working on. So, for example, Leadership Medina County has um, a, a fund for junior leadership. And so we use the revenue from those funds to help us with that project of junior leadership Medina County. And there's also, you know, different classifications. So we're both 501c3 nonprofits. So really it's, it kind of depends on what you write to the IRS for to get that classification as a nonprofit. But all of us are going to be tax exempt um, because we are a nonprofit. No, I think it's important just to note that not all nonprofits are the same and you can't classify them the same. Now, being executive directors, you, you both are in charge of each one of your organizations and, and, and leading and, and managing that, but you both have boards to, to lean on. So talk to us about the function and role of a, of a board for a nonprofit. They really are so vital in, in how we operate and creating the policy and the structure uh, that keeps that nonprofit working properly. And for me, my board members are so essential. They're, they're filling in those gaps that I can't do alone as an executive director. Sure. So they're bringing their strengths to the table to help us succeed as a nonprofit, whether it be that they have a financial background that's really strong, marketing, um, event planning, or you know they, they have connections that can help our nonprofit thrive. That's right. I mean, we can't operate alone in a fishbowl. So our board is really kind of who jumps in and helps us with the governance of everything. So Colleen and I, we handle the day-to-day operations of our organization, the staff that are under us, the volunteers under us. And then our boards set that direction. They say, here's the organization. This is where we want it to go. This is where we see us moving into the future. And so we work together. So there's committees on that board, and we all will work together to figure out things like our marketing plans, our fundraising plans, our budget for the year. It's, It's really helpful, like Colleen said, because we can't do every single function on our own. It's simply not possible. Sure. And you brought up a good point. Governance and management, and, and what is that difference? Because there's a fine line, especially for a nonprofit, Absolutely. and and for those nonprofits that are, are viewing uh, this this podcast, why don't you maybe explain more about that? The difference between the governance and, and management. Yeah, we've got a lot of smaller nonprofits within the community, and sometimes the nonprofit may not be large enough to have an executive director yet. Um, And in those cases, those are typically managing boards where they're doing the work that Katie and I typically do as an executive director. So there's no executive director, there's no staff. It's purely being operated by the board. And so the board does that day-to-day work for that nonprofit. But then when you move into the governance style, that day-to-day work and those day-to-day decisions are made by the executive director. And the board then, you know, does that policy and sure. creates that policy and um, and also make sure that there's no mission creep works hand in hand with the executive director to make sure that they stay mission focused and that they're doing what they said they're going to do. Is there any risk to a managing board versus a governance board if, if you're 
part of that organization? There are obligations that you have. So you are taking that on and saying, I understand that, that I'm going to provide leadership to this organization. And really, essentially, it all boils down to you're going to do what's best for that organization because nonprofits belong to the community. There's no shareholders. They don't belong to any one person. Um, and so you have to always take into effect what is going to have the greatest benefit to our community. And as a board member, how are we going to achieve that with this organization and with the mission that we've chosen? I think having the managing board versus the governing board as an option for some volunteers would be great. For some people, it may be very rewarding for them to be more hands-on in a managing board. Um, And maybe they might get bored with just policy work that happens in a governance-style board. So I think think it can be rewarding. It just depends upon what kind of leadership opportunity you're looking for when you're looking at philanthropy and giving back. You know, do you want to serve on a board and be more hands-on? Because it definitely is a lot more work because you don't have an executive director or staff to take on that work. But on the other hand, um, it could be a little bit more boring or dry. People might consider it more boring or dry to be on a governance-style board. And it depends, too, mm-hmm. on like where that organization is in their their history and their timeline. So when an organization is new, that's when it makes most sense often to have a managing board. And if they have a smaller budget, it's a small-scale operation. Sometimes it might be really exciting to come in when there's a period of growth and you can hire that first executive director and kind of see some of the the functions that were on the board go into actual staff members. So it's um, you have to look at every organization individually and see where are they and where do my talents kind of fit in to be a board member. Katie, you mentioned shareholders. We, we don't have shareholders. And that brings up another point is how different is it running a, a, a company that's a nonprofit versus a for-profit organization? I think essentially it's the same because the only difference is the tax status of the organization. We're still a business. The only thing is that we're not in it to make money for ourselves or anyone else. Of course, you know, nonprofit employees get paid, but we're not here to make money for anyone above us. So the ultimate goal is, again, the community. What's going to be best for the community? What can we do to best fulfill our mission? Even though you are a nonprofit, doesn't mean that you're not there to make money because you have to make money for the organization to sustain. And, and maybe talk a little bit about that to our viewers um, just so that they understand what a nonprofit goal or role really is. I mean, we can only do what we have the money to, you know, do out in the community. So it is important to continually raise funds, to look at new ways to explore different ways to raise those funds, to find new donors, to find new companies that might want to get involved and work with you and your mission. Um, Because essentially we need to be able to grow and keep up with our own demand in our nonprofit sector. And we need to be able to have the funds to do so. So rather than, you know, as a for-profit company making money to essentially benefit your shareholders, we're making that money to benefit the community, to see what will we put that money back into our organization, back into our mission to do. That's great. And in a sense, the shareholders are our donors um, in, in the nonprofit world. And so our donors have a lot of say. And, you know, when they give money to us, you know, they can say how they want us to use that money. They can designate it. They can give it as a free gift. Um, and, and of course, we have to find ways, creative ways to engage our donors, you know, whether it be events or opportunities for them to give where they can actually see their money going into action, um, that they can see that their money's making a difference. And that, um, so there is that, you know, that marking in a sense and that communication that would happen with a business and shareholders that we're also doing between our nonprofit and our donors. 
to make sure that they know that we're using, we're good stewards with their money and we're using their money the way they asked us to use it and, and that um, we're making a difference in the end. Oh. Well, it, and it, so you brought up good stewards and, and Katie, you brought up mission. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of times like your mission, being a good steward is part of your, the mission. So how critical is it to develop that mission for the nonprofit? Totally critical. The mission has to be in place before you even file to become a 501c3 with the state that you're incorporating in. So you need to know what you're doing. You need to have a few board members already in place to begin that organization. And ultimately, that mission is supposed to be what drives every single decision that you make and what you do. So that mission is at your forefront at all times when you're serving your clients, when you're talking to your donors, when you're putting yourselves out there in the community and explaining what you do, your mission should always be at heart. And you need to, as an executive director, explain that mission to your donors, your volunteers, your your stakeholders in the community, those companies that support you, those people that come and show up at your events. It's your job to kind of instill that mission and make them believe in it and excited about it, as excited as we are about our own missions. It's the heart of what we do. You know, you mentioned heart but I think of it as the heart of the organization. So it's pumping blood (laughs) through the entire system, that oxygenated blood. And so the mission has to be on every part, in our hands of what we're doing and our feet as we're walking, as as we're speaking, and as we're looking and and hearing in our community what's happening. And um, and then we take the pulse, you know, of that too and and make sure is our mission, you know, still, um, you know, aligned with the needs in our community and um, and then just keep moving forward. But I think at times you have to stop and, and check and do a check and uh, do strategic planning and, and look at what your mission is and, um, and then update that as you need to okay. as an organization as things change. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's great. Lead into that is like how often can you update your mission and, and how often do you look at that or should an organization look at their mission? Well, I mean, most organizations should have strategic plans that, you know, go to five years, you know, and kind of visionary looking ahead and such, you know, Um, but time to time things happen, you know, Um, different things happen within the world, different things happen within our community. And so I, I think that, you know, as an executive director and as board members that you just have to look from time to time to see this may be a good time to look at it. For example, this is a very good time for my organization to be looking at strategic planning yeah. and, um, you know, and getting up to date on, you know, where we're at right now, what are the best practices and, um, you know, how can we remain relevant in the community as leadership Medina County? And we're doing the same. We're just starting our strategic planning We're going to go a little bit smaller over three years just to look at, and we've seen our demand for food services kind of grow over 400% over the past two years. So what we want to do is look at that and say, and how are we going to continue to serve these people? And how will we up our level of service over the next three years? Because it's been such a large jump and a large increase and we can, and we are sustaining that, but we want to ensure that we're putting good practices in place now that will allow us to continue to do that in the future. Now, who, who sets the mission? Is it the board or is it the management team? The or board. The board. Okay. the board. Yeah, the board absolutely sets that. And then as it gets updated, you update that with the state and the government, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So if there are changes made to your code of regulations or your policy manual or whatever it might be, you update those. And um, But those are 
the rules that you live by then, in a sense. Now, I know there's, there's some misconceptions out there on who or, or what purpose nonprofits help support, like the demographics on that. I don't know if, if you have any response or thoughts on that, that they, they serve only a certain sector of, of the county or, or demographic of the county. I mean, in my mind, anyone could really be one step away from needing help from a nonprofit. Nonprofits kind of step in, and I, I think, where the government doesn't fill in. So there's lots of programs out there. There's um, cash assistance. There's food uh, assistance or formerly food stamps. There's help with insurance. But there's also very hard and fast criteria for who qualifies for that sure. income-wise. And anyone can have something happen that's unexpected, um, a family member being ill, taking in an additional family member, having a death in the family, losing income in any way that would render them in, in need, but not necessarily in need per those hard and fast guidelines, those income guidelines. Of course, you're going to pay your mortgage payment. Of course, you're going to pay your car because you still need that to get to work, to get the kids to school, to get to the doctor appointments. But what happens when everything else isn't there? You know, anyone could come to us in need. We have people say every single month, I never thought I would be here. I'm so embarrassed. And I tell them, don't be embarrassed. Nobody knows that you're here today receiving food. Um, my hope is just that you can give back at some point and that we'll see you here volunteering someday. But for now, you know, consider this just a hand up and, and a move back in the right direction. I like that hand up, not hand out, it's hand right. up. You know, Katie, I think you, br you bring up a, a good point um, where you're talking on like nonprofits help more than one demographic area. But nonprofits aren't there just for help and support. They can help develop people. In, in, your, in your organization's case, uh, Colleen, with Leadership Medina, not, a lot of nonprofits are there to help promote and develop skills within in the community. Maybe talk a little bit about that and right. what roles those Right. Leadership Medina County does uh, do a lot of you know, development, professional development for high school students as well as for adults. So, you know, our doors are open to anyone who's interested in getting educated about their community, getting involved with their community, learning about how to give back. And there's lots of organizations like that, as you mentioned, even Project Learn, you know, they, they're providing opportunities for people to learn how to read, people to learn how to speak English, for people that are moving into Medina County. So there's a lot of different organizations that um, are, you know, helping in a variety of ways to, to connect our community together and make them, make our community stronger in a sense, you know, like the Diversity Project too, uh, bringing people in and, and talking about diversity in Medina County and how to be more inclusive. And there's just a lot of exciting things happening. So there's a lot of ways nonprofits can help not only individuals but businesses out there. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do how are people and businesses made aware of that? Is there a place that they can go or a, a website or, or, or something that they can go for help? Um, I mean, when I'm personally looking to get involved with an organization, I like to do a little research. I like to nerd out and jump on Candid, formerly GuideStar. Okay. So you can look up any nonprofit. You can look at their financial information, their structure. Um, their 990s will be on there. So you can see what kind of an organization they are. How are they handling their money? Who are they employing? And who do they serve, right? What programs do they have? Have, what do they do out in our community? And it's a great way just to kind of take a glance and say, oh, I might fit in well with this organization. Well, one of the things you need as far as resources, um, especially as the organization grows, are employees. And this is very unique times, I guess, as, as far as competing for employees out there. 
whether you're a for-profit or, or nonprofit, it just feels like that's one of the biggest complaints I hear from, from companies is they can't find employees to work. If they have more employees, they'd be able to do more. How, how, do, you, how do either one of you um, combat that or, or, or work through that to, to make sure that you're attracting and attaining the right employees? Well, we're both in small organizations, first yeah. of all. Um, so we haven't been hit as hard, I think, as no. some of the large organizations, but we're hearing about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We are. And, and I think the sector as a whole, mm-hmm. um, the nonprofit sector, is working mm-hmm. to make some changes. In the past, I think that it was a lot of let's squeeze everything we can out of our employees. Let's make them wear every hat and let's pay them as little as possible because it's a nonprofit. Yeah. And that's just not acceptable anymore. Um, people in nonprofits, you know, they have families, they have lives, they need to be able to support themselves. I personally don't want to see any of my employees ever have to come back through to me because we didn't support them well when we had them as an employee. So um, for us, it's been a lot of, even as an organization, looking at our employees, looking at their salaries, um, looking at other nonprofits and seeing, is this truly fair? Are we paying this person for what they're doing? And does it compare to other people in similar positions? And I, I hope that a lot of nonprofits are doing the same. Yeah, exactly. We're seeing a lot of um, retirements from baby boomers and beyond, you know, who have been, you know, very strong leaders in in our nonprofit realm. And they're all, you know, at this point, you know, taking their time, you know, and and saying, hey, I've I've done a great job in my field and it's time to, you know, retire at this point. So we're seeing a lot of changes where where that comes along. And Again, like, like Katie said, it's, it's just a great time to review what we're paying, what benefits we're providing. We don't want to see our nonprofit people have to come back and get services because we didn't pay them enough later on. And so this is a great opportunity to kind of change the focus on how much we're paying these individuals who are on the front lines and doing some of the very hard work and helping people in our community and looking at making sure that we're paying them a fair wage sure. so that they can live. So we talked a lot about nonprofits. Let's let's talk a little bit more about philanthropy, and that's where ways you can raise money, donations, or just as far as volunteering and getting support with the organizations. So, how important is fundraising to your organizations? It's very important. It's very <laughs> yeah. important. Yeah. It's supposed to be what eighty percent of our jobs. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's you know, and and from the very beginning in Medina County, you know, we've had a lot of people who are very strong philanthropists. If you think about Letha House, she was an amazing leader um, who um, gave back. She, uh, you know, inherited a mass amount of money that she didn't even know she had and, um, and that she was going to have access to, I should say. And she gave that money back to the community, to Medina County. Um, you'll notice anywhere you go in Medina County, you'll usually see Letha's house's name on on different fields, on different um, park locations, all over the county. And and we have a lot of people like that who really went above and beyond. They looked about how they could give their time, their treasure and talents to give back to the community. And that's what philanthropy is all about, is sharing all three of those things. And, and, and really looking at what the needs of the community are and how you can make a big impact. And there's so many opportunities to do that. Even if you don't have the money of Letha House, sure. you can still be a philanthropist and still give back and, and help the nonprofits in our community achieve their mission. No, that's great. It is great. And we've seen, you know, we do live in a very generous community, um, not just in giving like financially, but giving back by coming in and volunteering. So 
I have all the time people literally knocking my door down that want to volunteer. Um, companies want to come in, organizations want to come in and do a group pack or a group volunteer session. And right now we're booking into 2023 because we've filled all of those slots. I have over 300 active volunteers. I still want to see that grow. Um, I've been able to tap into Colleen's network with Leadership Medina County and with the junior leaders and bring in more high school students and different people who may not have ever thought of volunteering or who may have thought, you know, as a as a kid, oh, well, I don't have money to give. I don't need to get involved with the nonprofit. But they do have that person power and they can come in and make a huge difference for whether it be a day, an hour, you know, a week, a month during their summer vacation. And it's amazing. It's it's how we run. I only have four employees, but because I have those 300 volunteers, we're able to feed 3,000 people every month. And that just wouldn't be possible if it was just the four of us. So how do you get the word out to get the volunteers? It's a, that's a, I guess... The question I got to ask from that. We, we try our best. You know, social media has been really helpful and important to us. We have a Facebook and Instagram. We use LinkedIn just to kind of promote things. It's actually really helpful when other organizations do it. So if they volunteer and then they share a post that has a picture of their employees and then other organizations say, well, I want to take a picture with my employees being out in the community and doing such a good deed. And then the word kind of spreads. It's that ripple effect. Um, I do anything that I can to get out and speak to different um, organizations, schools, companies, and kind of make those connections to, again, build that want to come in and volunteer. Um, so a lot of it is kind of organic. Oftentimes people don't know where to look to get you know involved. And so a lot of times that's why people come through Leadership Medina County or they'll even just even give me a call in my office and ask, what opportunities do I know that are available or does my team know that are available? But coming through the program, you get introduced to people who are in the nonprofit realm that might be a part of the class. You also get in, introduced by going out and doing some behind the scene tours and finding that philanthropy that you know, or that nonprofit that meets your philanthropy goals. And, you know, so, you know, if you are, you know, passionate about making sure that hungry people get fed, you know, I would definitely send them over to see Katie and to volunteer at Feeding Medina County because that's a great match. So it's matching, you know, what people's, you know, personal values are to what that organization is looking for. Or even to other organizations' missions, if, mm -hmm. if that's part of their mission, giving back to the community. Yes, those would be good ones for you to, to tie in or, or get in front of. Is there a way to find out who those organizations are? Or is it just pretty much picking up the phone and calling? They could probably also use like United Way of uh, Summit in Medina County's two one one and jump on two one one's database on their website. That will list all of the organizations, all the nonprofits they are, what they do, and contact information. It's a great idea. So that's yeah. an easy way yeah. to kind of yeah. see, here's what the organizations are in my community. And there's 211 everywhere. So anyone in any community can jump on that. Well, you know, there's also the BVU, which is the Business Volunteers Unlimited. And so that's a great resource for businesses in the community to find matches for their employees so that they can volunteer in the community. So as we know, fundraising is important um, for the livelihood of a nonprofit. So talk to us about, as, as we're approaching economic uncertainty, how does that impact fundraising for a nonprofit? I think we have to really just stay on top of things. Um, we've been a nonprofit for a long time. So, you know, these markets continually shift and there's always something going on. So I remember people really getting worried during the recession back in, you know, 2009, 2010, um, kind of freaking out in the nonprofit sector saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to continue to get people to donate to us? 
And really what was amazing is that people realized that there was a lot of need happening and there is an outpouring of support. So what we have to do as nonprofits is really communicate that need to our donors and to the organizations that support us so that they know why it's important to give now, why in fact it may be more important than ever to give and to kind of share those stories so they know this is what their money is doing. This is the impact that they're having in their community. And I think we also have to diversify. So you can't just um, rely on one thing. So if you have this ex extremely wonderful gala every year, you can't just depend that that gala is going to fund all of your needs. So you need to have, you know, think about endowments. Um, you know, that's an, a one way that a nonprofit can, you know, also gains funding during the year by having an endowment, fundraisers, grant writing, and then also the donors that, you know, and like, like Katie was saying, that communication with the donors is just vital. But if you have multiple pots that you're able to pull from, um, you're in a weather, most any storm. You know, if one, if one starts to drop a little bit, the others, you know, you can work on and, and build those up as sure. needed. So I have to ask both of you, what are some of the changes you've seen in your organization, especially if we've gone through some of these unprecedented times that you had to adjust or change for your organization to be successful and continue to run smoothly? We've done a lot of more online uh, trainings with our leaders and providing more of those kinds of opportunities. It's actually worked out quite well because many times it's hard to get away from work sometimes and maybe easy to, to you know, fit in a one-hour training that updates them on a leadership topic or a community topic that might be of interest to them so that they can learn about how to get back and get more involved. And, you know, we also, uh, you know, kind of looked at how we can um, rotate groups and get groups through um, in smaller, smaller sizes so that we can um, still get them those opportunities for those face-to-face -face experiences that all of us crave and want and uh, get them out to meet each other and um, also meet some of the nonprofits and businesses in our community. So we had to change completely some of the ways that we do things. Um, and we went to drive-through food distributions, which was interesting because we hadn't done it before. And it ended up completely changing our view on how we can operate. It made us more efficient. We found out from our clients that they liked it better. And we found out from our volunteers that they liked it better. So while it was implemented originally just because of some of the unprecedented times that we were going through, it's something that our organization is going to adapt and make our normal now. Um, it's given us a really kind of an opportunity to look at all of our procedures and say, you know, is this the most efficient? Are we benefiting our community the most by doing things? this way or should we reevaluate this and look to see is there a better way to do something we've also gotten a lot better with like e-communications so for our volunteers and for our supporters we're trying to be better at sending out communications if there's a need we need something done we got a new system that allows us to basically send an email out to everyone instantly and they can respond to us through email or through text so if i need a volunteer to drive out to somewhere you know two hours away and pick up a food donation, I can easily communicate with everyone and get someone to do that for us. And it's really been a game changer. So it is the workforce becomes more flexible, right? That we hear that all the time, mm -hmm. uh, flexible work. How has that impacted your employees or your volunteers, getting volunteers to help? I've been able to actually move one of my employees from part-time to full-time because of that flexible workforce. So a traditional nine to five just didn't work for this employee, um, just given her personal circumstances. But 
this is the norm now, right? No. So being that this person does a lot of marketing, does a lot of development work, she doesn't need to be in the office nonstop. She can do that at any point in the day. And luckily our board and our office staff were all comfortable with this. And now we're all trying to be more cognizant of giving everyone that option to work from home when needed. So if it's not necessary to take a trip into the office that day, if you've got something you really need to focus on, we're all very comfortable with saying, hey, I'm just going to take the day at home and finish this grant or finish this project. Yeah, I agree. Our, our staff enjoy the opportunity just to be able to work remote whenever they get an opportunity to. And it's, it's been, you know, this flexibility that we've entered into has also been a great um, way for their creativity to, to come to life. And so we've come up with some very creative, you know, solutions to problems that we had. And like a lot, a lot like what Katie was saying, we, you know, we're able to, you know, continue doing those things that made sense um, when we changed during those uncertain times. Yeah. As, as you continue to see your businesses adapt, communication is going to be key for the success of, of your organizations. Now, as you look at, at the future, I mean, where do you see nonprofits and, and where do you see nonprofits in the next few years? I, I think we're already kind of seeing a little bit of that with, you know, with, like I said, some of the nonprofits are losing their baby boomers. Yeah. And we're seeing some regionalization um, throughout, you know, Northeast Ohio, where some nonprofits are deciding to, you know, join forces. Um, you know, maybe they had one here, maybe they had one here, maybe they had one here. all And, and they just decided, hey, we're going to come under one umbrella have one executive director and such. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of that coming. Um, you know, we don't have enough workers to fill all of those roles, but maybe coming together and having um, a leadership at the pinnacle of it um, would, would make more sense. And so I, I think that's one of the things. Yeah. We're seeing a lot more collaboration, I think, too, because all of the nonprofits, though they may serve different needs and have a different mission, are seeing, wow, if we all work together, we could really help our clients a lot more. And so I'm personally seeing that here. I know I've seen it, you know, even on LinkedIn, I see stories about different nonprofits coming together to really give like wraparound services to their clients and to make sure that they're kind of lifting them up and, and pushing them in the right direction with, with everything that they need at one time. So that's exciting to yeah. see. Now, now, as you talk about consolidation, is there any concern that that's going to create lack of services or lack of support in communities? I don't think so. I mean, we're seeing it, for example, with um, United Way. Um, so we had Summit and Medina County come together and join forces. You know, there's definitely work that has to happen with that and a lot of communication. And I think when it's done well, that, that no one's going to be left behind, that there's not going to be anyone that's going without services. Um, you know, they have to definitely have a vision for both all the areas that they're serving under that umbrella but I think, I think there's potential there and it may be a good use of donor dollars too in the, going into the future. And when we're seeing nonprofits sometimes do like an actual merger, um, they actually are opening a lot more doors because one nonprofit A had their book of donors that they would solicit. Nonprofit B might have had their own pool. And so when they're coming together, they may be able to even do more in the community and access more capital and be able to really pour that into their now joined mission. Oh, that's great. I want to thank you both for, for joining me here today and really talking more about nonprofits and, and defining the difference between being a nonprofit and a philanthropy, philanthropist, I should say. So as, as we look to wrap up, what is one last thing you would, you would say to the audience out there as far as 
with, with nonprofits or philanthropy on how to get involved or, or how they can help uh, anyone out there? I'd say you're never too young and you're never too old to start getting involved in philanthropy. And uh, it's, it's a great thing to get your family involved with and, and do it um, with your friends, your, your community, and just get up and just start using your talents because we need you. Yeah. We can't operate um, in Ohio without you know, having resources of people that are willing to get up and, and do something to help. And I think it's important to think about, too, if you're a business owner, think about how can I get my business involved? There might be really interesting out-of-the-box ways that you can help support a nonprofit that when you come together and you have these conversations, you and their director or you know someone at the organization may be able to help and kind of put into motion. So don't rule anything out. Don't think anything is too small or too silly. I had one nonprofit give free car washes to everyone who donated during a certain event and it went over really well. So, you know, don't, don't rule anything out, have conversations with them, reach out to organizations that align with your mission and see what you can do together for the community. I think one last thing is, is, is educate. You need to educate and it's it's probably good to go into the, to the, the schools to educate the students and inform them about what nonprofits do in the community so that you can get them engaged so that when they get into the workforce, they're ready to get engaged into the community and and help out. Absolutely. Well, thank you both again for joining us. So I have one last thing. Um, We we ask all our guests what's on their watch list. So I'm going to ask each one of you what's on your watch list. So Colleen, we'll start with you. All right. So um, it's on my read watch list, and it's hidden biases, and um, it's biases of good people. So I'm looking forward to reading that. We're going to be doing a book discussion later in 2023 with that. Oh, that's great. Katie? And I am looking into um, hunger and food insecurity in Gen Z. It's really interesting. There's been a lot of articles kind of coming up about this now, and it's really an interesting, eye-opening kind of read into why the food insecurity is so high with this generation. Things that you wouldn't have thought of, no, they're not just out there buying all organic foods at Whole Foods. There are actual reasons. All right. Well, I want to thank you both again for joining me here today and really talking about some important topics and informing our audience about those. So thank you both. Thank Thank you. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Erica Bailey, Suzanne Favre, Corinne Wilson, Kartika Caffey, the Marketing and Communications Strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.